Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Okay, thank you for joining us. And we have Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And uh, thank you for joining us on the show. Well, you're very welcome, Al. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm uh, delighted to talk about some subjects that uh, are forefront in uh, a lot of the spiritual work being done today. Just in case there's somebody out there that doesn't know who you are, um, let's start with uh, kind of um, a little bit of your background. I've been doing work in the paranormal and metaphysical fields, and that includes uh, cryptozoology and ufology as well. Uh, all of these things are interrelated. Uh, for full-time now for uh, more than 30 years. I started full-time in my career as a writer, researcher, and investigator in 1983. But it's really been a lifelong pursuit for me. Like a lot of people who get deeply involved in these areas, I had uh, experiences when I was younger that really fueled my curiosity about what's out there in these unseen realms and how we make contact with um, with entities, with God, with uh, high-level beings, and, and how we even have contact on the dark side, too, because many people have problem experiences. So over the course of time, my work has really gone on both sides of the fence, the light and the dark. And I'm involved in helping people um, sort through and integrate their experiences, deepen their spiritual path, and on the other side of the coin, I'm uh, involved in helping people resolve very troubling experiences. It's been very rewarding work, and uh, I spend a lot of time in the field investigating 
and then I provide um, one-on-one services to clients. I do readings. I do past life regressions. Uh, I'm constantly on the move, and uh, it's just never a dull day, Al. <laughs> it sounds like it. Now, would you also have to be have a little bit of um, psychology in the background when you're dealing with people, especially one-on-ones and that are having a lot of issues? Uh, is it really hard to tell the uh, the difference or pick out when someone's being haunted, let's say? Uh you do have to be part <clears throat> psychologist and sometimes even part counselor in some of these cases, yes. And uh, one of the uh, first things that needs to be done is to try and rule out natural causes as much as possible because uh, sometimes people can project uh, just normal situations onto a supernatural explanation. You know, they want to blame spirits for their difficulties. Uh, my background is in communications. I graduated from the University of Washington uh, with a degree in journalism. I've always wanted to be a writer. But along the way, I've taken many courses in psych, and uh, especially Jungian psychology. Very important to understand that. I've also studied history, mythology, anthropology, parapsychology, uh, occultism, and uh, metaphysics, all the related disciplines uh, that are important to the work that I do. Uh, and sometimes I will refer people to, uh, to get medical help. Uh, and I don't make um, like specific referrals, but I tell them that uh, they, it would be best if they uh, took their situation to, for example, like a, uh, a licensed uh, therapist or, or something like that to help them resolve some underlying issues first before they jump to a supernatural explanation. Let's talk about dreams. Um, so what happens when we um, go to sleep? Well, we dream in, in approximately 90-minute cycles, whether we remember dreams or not. And uh, many people think that because they don't remember their dreams, they're not dreaming. But in fact, it has been sci- scientifically demonstrated that we do dream. Um, the only individuals who may not uh, have dreams are uh, certain persons who've had uh, you know, serious head trauma, uh, and so uh, some of us have an easy time remembering, some of us don't. Sometimes it goes up and down throughout life. But uh, we have these, uh, these experiences in an alternate reality, and that's what the dream world is. And the ancients knew this as a bridge to the gods, that dreams were a place, a place to go, uh, where uh, a person could have contact with the dead and contact with the gods that would be very difficult or even impossible in waking consciousness. Our dreams bring up material from our subconscious, things that we're concerned about, uh, things that we're working through. They really are a mirror truth that uh, reflects back to us how we feel we're doing in life, situations that need to be uh, resolved and balanced out, uh, like issues we're, we're ignoring. Uh, they can give us unfailing guidance when we have important turning points in life and we need to make significant decisions. We can be healed in our dreams. We can see the future. We can have direct contact with the divine. Uh, we can have uh, meetings with angels and spiritual masters and guides. Our dreams are such a rich land of exploration. Whenever we go to sleep, it's absolutely fantastic. And the more we pay attention to our dreams, the more they talk to us and the more information they give us. So what should a person do to remember the dreams? Like, um, what, what do you suggest? 
there are a number of techniques that work for many people. Sometimes you just have to experiment a bit until you hit on the one that works for you. Uh, paying, simply paying attention to your dreams and asking yourself to remember or telling yourself to remember your dreams will work wonders for many people. It's, uh, it's like turning a spotlight on them. And uh, so if we set an intention before we go to bed, um, I will remember my dreams when I wake up. I will record them and uh, understand them. The dreaming mind is very uh, responsive to that. Uh, if someone has not been in the habit of doing that, it may take a little while uh, for uh, momentum to, to get going. But um, uh, that, that helps. Uh, sometimes people find that uh, if they lie very still when they wake up, because dreams disappear almost as, as soon as we come into waking consciousness, they're not impressed in long-term memory unless we impress them into memory. So sometimes being very still, not jumping up out of bed, but just collecting yourself for a few moments to go back over whatever you can recall, even if it's just a tiny bit, uh, that also will help, and that can build over time. Uh, then there are um, visualization techniques that people try. Uh, there's um, a one where uh, you can place, uh, imagine, a light uh, at the base of your throat, and the throat chakra is metaphysically uh, the voice, the voice that you speak your truth um, with, uh, the voice of who you are. And uh, you envision a light and a lot of energy at the base of your throat and combine that with instructions to remember your dreams. Uh, sometimes uh, herbal teas will help, um, herbs that have been used throughout history that uh, facilitate dream recall. They don't do anything in the brain to make you remember your dream, but some of them can enhance dream imagery, and more vivid imagery is often easier for people to remember. Um, mugwort, St. John's wort, uh, chamomile, skullcap, catnip, these have all been uh, used with success uh, by many people. So those are just a few tips. And uh, I do have a number of dream books out. My, my new one is Dream Work for Visionary Living, and I talk about some of those things in the book, you know, ways to coax um, more information out, out of the dream and also enhance the ability to remember dreams. Now, um, what, what about um, shared dreams? We do have them, and we probably have more than we realize because uh, most of us don't talk about our dreams most of the time. And uh, when we do, we discover that uh, we're sharing the dream landscape with all kinds of people, usually people we're connected to emotionally. There's something about all of these uh, experiences, uh, you know, psychic experiences, contact experiences, otherworldly and other dimensional experiences, where emotion seems to be the energy that they run on. And so when we have emotional connections to things, places, events, and people, uh, those are often, um, they often become factors in our extraordinary experiences. So a shared dream has uh, different levels, ranging from uh, what you would call a full-blown shared dream, where you and the other person share exactly the same dream on the same uh, occasion, uh, you are both lucid in the dream, you recognize each other in the dream, and you work together to, uh, to act out in the dream. 
then it goes on down the line. All of those elements can be present or missing. Uh, you might have the, the same dream on the same night but not see each other in it. You might have the same theme of a dream. Uh, there might be some elements in the dream that are the same. Um, the list can go way, way down to just even sharing a, a very small detail. But the important thing is that we are connected through our dreams. Dream researchers have um, written and um, uh, given a great deal of thought to the importance of this, and uh, I do believe that it, it is part of our global consciousness. It's, it's the connection that all human beings share throughout all of time. We contribute to our collective experience through our waking uh, endeavors and uh, through our dreaming as well. And uh, the dreaming, uh, the shared dreaming, uh, goes into some, uh, you know, very uh, deep territory that we really haven't explored enough. There are some cultures who pay attention to this, where dreams might be shared in, among a family or a community and discussed, uh, because uh, it's understood that this is uh, something that connects people. And uh, in our culture today, we tend to be more isolated about dreams. We consider them private property, you know, the, that you have a dream, you don't experience a dream. When it's really, we are experiencing dreams, and yes, they do have intensely personal content. Uh, the universe does speak directly to us in many ways, uh, but we also have this shared content as well. When we have a shared dream um, with someone, does it have to be someone we know or someone we're related to? Well, not necessarily. Uh, there are incidences of psychic dreams, for example, uh, where people are connected to other individuals through circumstances that they don't really understand. And if you keep in mind that we are all interconnected in some way, uh, we could uh, share the dream landscape with uh, someone that might not be familiar to us. But more than likely, our dreams are going to revolve around our close emotional connections. I was talking to someone that said they had a dream. They were dreaming of someone, and they ended up meeting them. Well, that's, uh, yes, that is a, it's a type of precognition, and we have precognitions in our dreams all the time. And here again, we've, we've got kind of a, a skewed view of precognitive dreams, because the media makes a big deal out of famous dreams, you know, uh, previews of big disasters and um, important people dying and things like that, when actually, on a daily basis, all of us are looking into the future through our dreams, all the time, and uh, dreams go beyond uh, linear time. It is not uncommon to preview something that you're going to be doing uh, in the next day, the next few days, maybe even in the coming weeks, or someone you're going to meet. Uh, some years ago, I did a book on soulmates, and um, I found quite a few people who had actually dreamed of their future partners who, who they had never met. Uh, sometimes way in advance. It's, it's as though uh, the dream is preparing someone for uh, an important um, uh, occurrence in life. So you think there's a real spiritual side to the dreams then? I do, and I always have believed that since I was very young. Most of my work focuses on the spiritual dimensions of dreams. Uh, how do we get the content out of them, the meaning out of them that nourishes 
our spiritual side, our spiritual journey, the meaning of life, the path that we're on, the choices that we make. How can we be more creative? How can uh, how can we heal uh, through dreams? And uh, these sorts of things have been well documented throughout history. Uh, dreams are incredibly powerful, yet a lot of people don't pay attention to them because um, from uh, from just a, a cursory look, they don't make sense. But when you understand the dreams, when you get to know them a bit and understand how they, they speak to you, they make incredible sense. And so when we're having nightmares, is that something we should be worried about? Well, nightmares serve various functions, and everybody has them from time to time. Uh, they can be uh, expressions of anxiety you know, and stress. So uh, what they do is, uh, on, on that level, they uh, are uh, warning uh, signals to someone uh, to, especially if a nightmare is repeating and it's, it's the same theme, that something is out of balance in life. And uh, depending upon what is out of balance and, and how well somebody is dealing with it or trying to ignore it, uh, nightmares can even intensify until someone confronts the problem. Uh, there are other kinds of nightmares that are really related to medical conditions like post-traumatic stress, and these do need to be treated uh, under uh, medical care. And so when we... Um have these what would be the best way to deal with that like if you're having nightmares how how do you select someone that you go see about dreams and nightmares well most psychologists uh, deal in the dreams of their patients so uh, you can always bring dreams into a therapy uh, situation there are uh, lots of resources available in the metaphysical community too i've worked as a dream work facilitator uh, since the early 1990s, helping people understand their dreams. And uh, uh, when individuals can un- unlock the meaning of the dream, uh, sometimes there's a great deal of healing energy just in that, and they're, they're able to move forward with that. Other times they may need, may need additional help uh, resolving things. So uh, if you're seeking out a therapist, uh, it's always a good idea to get recommendations from people you know um, it might take you a while to find the person that you feel is on the same wavelength with you. There are many different approaches to dream work, um, and some of it depends on how a therapist has, has been trained and, um, and how they view the dream uh, in terms of fitting into an overall uh, treatment. So uh, quite a bit of variety there. Tell us about your book, The, the Dream Work uh, for Visionary Living. It's my newest book, and uh, I wanted uh, like a, a comprehensive guidebook for, for people who really wanted to uh, go into these extraordinary aspects of dreams. It's important to understand the mundane aspects because our dreams are constantly telling us about ourselves and what's going on in life. But everyone has big-picture dreams. And uh, so this goes into psychic dreaming, like the precognitive dreaming, lucid dreaming, that's where you know you're dreaming while you're dreaming, and uh, sometimes that's accompanied by dramatic feelings of projecting out of the body. Uh, Dreams that heal, dreams can forewarn us of uh, illness, dreams can assist us during the healing process. There are even many cases of people being healed in a dream. Uh, There are spiritual turning point dreams, 
and uh, dreams can be used to incubate uh, and enhance creativity. Uh, they can be uh, used to make contact with spiritual beings, and uh, we can have visits with the dead. So the book is, a, is about all of those aspects of dreams, and uh, every chapter has what I call dream labs, and these are individual ways that you can get those kinds of um, meanings out of your dreams. They're incubations, rituals, suggestions, uh, ways to look at dreams. Uh, if you want to use dreams for creativity, how would you go about it? Here are several different ways. 37 of these dream labs in the book. And um, it's, it's a very nice spiritual guide to uh, one of our most important activities, which is dreaming. So the dead can contact us through our dreams. Is that just people we know or relatives, or it, can people actually contact uh, the dead that they that for other people that way? Well, when people have dream visits from the dead, uh, it's usually someone that they know who has passed on fairly recently. And uh, here again, these contact experiences. They take place under certain conditions, and uh, we can't say exactly what we are because we don't know. The dead say that it takes a great deal of difficulty to make that kind of bridge for a visit. And I'm talking a real visit. I'm not talking about uh, a symbology. Uh, I'm talking about a real visit uh, where the dead is able to, the dead person is able to reunite very briefly with someone who's living, usually for the purpose of delivering a message. These dreams typically happen once after a person has passed on. And uh, there are cases where uh, they might happen more than once uh, before these dreams become symbolic. But people will uh, return to say farewell, um, to reassure the living that they're all right, don't grieve for me, to wrap up unfinished business, here's where all my financial papers are that you can't find. Um, and... Uh, uh, sometimes to give life guidance. Uh, these have been documented throughout history, and um, they can't really be incubated very well. We can ask for them, but whether or not we get one of them, it just depends so much on individual circumstances. It's the perfect confluence of conditions have to come together. But even if we don't get the dream, uh, we can incubate and ask for the dream, and then we might have some kind of uh, contact with the dead that comes out in other ways, uh, waking vision, or synchronicity, uh, sense of presence, a symbolic dream, something like that. Uh, this is quite common, and uh, these dreams should not be dismissed as wish fulfillment or um, just part, part of the grieving process. They are part of the grieving process, but uh, they are real experiences, not fantasy. Is there a way we could uh, actually determine the difference? Like, how, how do we know? Usually the dream visits from the dead are distinctly different from ordinary dreaming, and uh, this is one reason why it's important to pay attention to your dreams so you know what your ordinary dreaming is. But the uh, person often does not know whether he or she is awake or asleep. Uh, they may realize that they're dreaming, but they know they're awake in the dream. Everything is very intense. There's a tactile sense. They can hug, kiss, touch the dead person. Uh, there is communication, which is telepathic. The atmosphere often feels very strange. 
uh, and uh, they awaken knowing that they have had real contact. Uh, for some people, this can be very confusing because um, if they share this experience and say, you know, I was with Dad last night. Uh, he came to visit me, and I know he did. Uh, other ind- other people might immediately dismiss it as, oh, well, that's just fantasy. Uh, it's just wish fulfillment. Uh, even some therapists will do this. And uh, it, it really takes the power out of the experience for the individual. But they are distinctly different. Right. Now, you were talking about angels and... Uh and, and connecting with angels. So we do that through our dreams as well? We can, yes. Uh, there are many ways to contact angels. And uh, I have had angel experiences most of my life. And uh, I think we're ready for a whole new level of working with angels. Uh, in the past, we've, uh, we've treated them either as uh, very remote beings that um, we might not have much contact with, uh, to the other uh, pendulum swing where we reduce them to, you know, fluffy little, um, you know, uh, Dear Abby kind of, of uh, advisors uh, and brought them down too much to our level. And I think we're ready now to engage with angels in a much more powerful way. They are intermediary beings who uh, serve between us and the divine. Uh, sometimes contact with angels comes through dreams. And uh, the dream um, might have a message, for example, for someone, and the messenger is the angel. Uh, Or an angel might be uh, a guide figure or uh, something, uh, a connector, something that connects an individual to an important truth, awakening, or realization. Many of these dreams happen spontaneously. Uh, It is uh, uh, much easier to incubate an angel dream uh, because they're readily available to us. And so what what can we get from a from um connecting with an angel? Oh, anything from uh spiritual a spiritual reassurance. Uh some people just need to feel unconditional love and an angel experience might happen at a time in life when uh, people need to have some reaffirmation of self-worth. Angels can be instruments of healing. I have cases where uh, people were uh, very critically ill and had a healing dream where the angel uh, administered the healing and they were physically healed. Uh, they might get an answer to a question. They might get guidance for decision-making. could be a lot of different things. So, so what exactly are angels? They are uh, intermediaries uh, who uh, serve between us and the divine. And... Um, they uh, they have no physical form. They are beings of light. Uh, they are uh, at a much different vibration rate than we are, and yet they can appear uh, in some cases as they're called mysterious strangers. Uh, they can appear in human form, and that's been documented since biblical time. But uh, by and large, they are uh, beings of light, and uh, their purpose, one of their purposes is to... Uh, hold the vibration of unconditional love uh, that streams out from the Godhead. And this is an organizing force in the universe that angels administer. Uh, Angels are the caretakers of of everything in creation, and that includes human beings. So there are angels who are assigned to watch over planets and peoples uh, 
And when I say peoples, I mean other beings besides humans, because angels really are everywhere. And uh, they're around us all the time, whether we know it or not. And the choice is ours whether or not we're going to engage with them. So do they actually specifically pick us? Like, do we have particular angels that um, take care of us, or are they just random? We do have guardian angels, but uh, where the chicken and the egg is on that, uh, I suspect that we have a lot to do with making choices at some point in our um, series of lives or the place between lives. There are angels who uh, are with us throughout our entire life. And then there are angels who come and go, uh, depending upon what we're going in life and what uh, what we're needing to call in uh, for assistance. There are angels who act like teachers, uh, who uh, are able to transmit knowledge to us in various ways, usually through our studies, through inspiration and intuition. That's often how they work. And uh, these relationships, I believe, exist over long periods of time, certainly longer than an ordinary lifetime. So were angels previous humans that have kind of died and passed on, or are they just a total different uh, entity? I believe them to be different entities. And uh, there are uh, some, uh, you know, the Swedenborg, for example, uh, was of the opinion that people could become angels after death. Uh, and um, I think that people can become angel-like. We have many cases where, for example, a, a parent or a grandparent passes on, and someone who's living may say, you know, Grandpa's my guardian angel now. He's always around when I need some advice. Well, Grandpa has become like a guardian angel, but I do not believe that uh, humans become angels. Uh, ultimately, we all merge into the Godhead, so uh, angels and, uh, and humans and other beings alike. But they are distinct, distinctly different from us. Uh, they have uh, communicated to me in the past that, that they're really walking a parallel path uh, to us. And, and uh, we might think of them as being mighty and exalted, but we have our own, um, our own glory that we often don't recognize. And so they, they've told me that we're really treading parallel paths uh, to God, and um, each with its own function and its own experiences and its, and its own duties. So now then I take with angels there would be the counter of a demon of some sort, and would they be the same sort of being but with just opposite intention? I consider demons to be uh, a, a very wide uh, range and variety. In the ancient world, new demons much differently than in the modern world where we've uh, kind of pigeonholed them under Satan and Christianity, uh, which is only a fairly new wrinkle in history, uh, relatively speaking. But uh, demons are also intermediary beings. Uh, They're on a different vibrational level than angels. And some of them, uh, the ancients knew them from benign to malevolent and evil. So they ran the full spectrum. They could be... Uh, ambivalent, uh, ambiguous, um, rather benign, uh, maybe even friendly. They could be trickster, they could be bullies, they could be uh, mischievous, uh, they could be malevolent and and just out-and-out terrorists. So uh, demons really run the full gamut of um, uh, range of of activities that they engage with with human beings. Uh, Most of our experiences with them are not very pleasant, and uh, throughout history, 
they have been blamed for uh, you know various ills that have befallen human beings and animals and the landscape. So now, can they take the same um, as uh, possession, or I shouldn't say, well, the, the same form as a human being as well, and be around us just like angels? They can uh, shape shift. Uh, there are many entities who are very good at shape shifting and uh, to suit a purpose. Uh, angels will shape shift into a human form uh, when that's the most appropriate way to deal with someone, especially in a sudden crisis situation. And uh, demonic uh, entities can do that as well. Uh, since they, a lot of them seem to like to terrify people, uh, it would be more in their interest to take some hideous form rather than a friendly-looking uh, uh, form. But um, it all depends on, on how they want to inveigle themselves uh, with human beings. If they're out to frighten, terrify, vampirize, uh, take over, uh, or just kind of insinuate themselves. So now, are are they able to contact us in our dreams as well, or us to contact them? Not that I guess we'd want to, but... Well, they can. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And, but... Um, with demonic interference, um, it, it usually does not come without uh, something to trigger it. Uh, there are a lot of entities out there. I call them drive-by demons. <laughs> this is a, you know, kind of a catchy term. There, there are entities out there looking for opportunities to make trouble, and uh, so some of them, uh, you know, they're invited in. They're invited in either unwittingly or deliberately by people uh, who want to engage with them. Uh, they might seize a vulnerability or a weakness, a person in tremendous emotional upheaval or maybe serious illness where their boundaries are uh, not in very good shape. Um, substance abuse will create a lot of holes in the aura that uh, may make it possible for an opportunistic entity to latch on. 
so um, they they need to have some sort of uh, something to latch on to. And um, many people will go through their entire lives without having any sort of uh, significant dealings or with or trouble from these kinds of entities, and other people will have serious problems. So now you're talking. So now, is there a need to protect herself when we're when we're dealing with dreams and 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 uh, different entities? I think it's a good idea, Al, to uh, pursue your spiritual protection all the time. Uh, and that can be best accomplished through a daily practice, especially of meditation and prayer being an adjunct to that. But there, uh, the act of meditating, even for a few minutes a day, uh, will strengthen your spiritual foundation, help you connect to the spiritual realm. And it's like going to the psychic gym. It really works out the aura, uh, which is our natural buffer against all sorts of things that uh, are detrimental to us. And uh, so we benefit in that regard. When, when we have that kind of buffering, then it's part of our backdrop. It's second nature to us. And so we don't need to go around with our guard up all the time. But uh, if you are engaging in any sort of uh, very deep spiritual work, uh, even on the positive side, it's always a good idea to, um, to bolster up your protection uh, so that uh, if, you, if you do encounter anything negative, you're not going to be um, blindsided. Well, how do you do that then? How how would a person do that um, that's never done this before? Well, uh, let's take uh, someone who's just a total beginner and they're intrigued by all of these things and I was in the same position myself uh, at one point in my life. Well, it's a good idea to start reading and studying. Pick a topic uh, where you, you're really drawn, uh, that's an, of an intense interest to you, and do some study. Take courses, classes, seminars, workshops. Uh, find a teacher to study with. And um, since so much spiritual work involves the psychic faculty, <clears throat> it's a good idea to get some sort of at least rudimentary psychic training. Everybody has psychic ability. We're born with it. Some people are born with an exceptional degree of it and other people uh, a lesser extent but everyone can improve what they've got so taking uh, uh, courses in psychic development or intuitive development it's really the same thing uh, some just usually for for different purposes but you're going to use the same techniques and even energy healing I've often recommended to people to just take some uh, introductory energy healing because that will give you a lot of training and structure in uh, how uh, the energy field feels uh, to you, how you can experience it, and how uh, learning how to open up your psychic faculty, uh, evaluate information, improve your accuracy, and then uh, being able to close down your boundaries so that uh, you don't leave your doors and windows open all the time, so to speak. Uh, and this takes a while. This is not something that's going to be accomplished in a day or two or a weekend. You have to you have to put some time in on it. But while you're doing that, you can you can still be um, doing spiritual work, and uh, it's very rewarding. Uh, and uh, that way, uh, you're you're very protected. You're protected against negative people. There are plenty of um, people who go around in a horrible cloud of energy. And um, 
you're not going to be impacted by that, by the negative thoughts um, that get projected out from other people. Uh, sometimes that's more of a problem than any non-human entities out there. Uh, and if you are doing uh, work in the uh, spiritual planes, uh, then you will be, uh, you know, better prepared for uh, for encountering uh, all kinds of things out there. Uh, anytime you open the door to the spirit world, uh, there is the potential to encounter something dark as well as light. Even if uh, you set your intention on, for example, wanting to work with angels, uh, at some point uh, there may be contact with uh, an entity who's, uh, curious about you or maybe even doesn't like what you're doing. And uh, it's just about being uh, prepared as a spiritual warrior. Is, is there a, a particular religious component to it? Like uh, do you have to practice a certain religion or can it be none, no religion at all? Most people uh, who go deeply onto these paths do have some sort of spiritual foundation, even if they, they don't call themselves religious. And I do hear that a lot, uh, where people would describe themselves as deeply spiritual but not necessarily religious. That is, um, they, uh, the, the dogma of various religious organizations doesn't appeal to them. Um, but uh, it's difficult to go into these areas without some sort of spiritual underpinning and belief. And if you start out thinking that you're going to be agnostic about it, uh, you'll wind up uh, being changed over the course of time because uh, the great mystery is at the center of everything. It doesn't matter whether you start out ghost hunting or you start out studying with a yogi. Uh, the great All paths lead to the great mystery if you stay on them long enough and go deep enough. And so that's going to shape your spiritual belief. But uh, is one religion better than another? No, not really. I just encourage people to, uh, to find their spiritual center, whatever it is. And that may even change over the course of life. Many people uh, find that they want to expand their boundaries, that they start out um, you know, with the faith that they uh, grew up in and, and were taught uh, when they were young. But as they get older, uh, they realize that other religions and other spiritual paths have a lot to offer as well. And so they expand uh, their boundaries. And, and uh, that's pretty much what happened to me is that, uh, you know, I was raised a Methodist, very, um, you know, middle of the road. Um, from a very early age, I was convinced of reincarnation. Uh, and uh, I studied uh, a lot of the Eastern uh, traditions. I uh, was practice, practicing uh, Zen Buddhism for a good number of years. And because of the nature of my work, I have uh, sought to be educated, uh, at least with working knowledge in as many uh, traditions as possible. And I have respect for them all. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the metaphysical uh, and mystical principles underneath all of them uh, are very similar. We're all headed toward the same place. And so you mentioned reincarnation. So are, are we um, bound to come back in another life? I do believe in reincarnation and that it probably takes many forms, some of which we might not even uh, be able to, uh, to comprehend very well. Uh, there are uh, many teachings about reincarnation since ancient times. And I think all of them hold at least some of the truth, but um, probably none of them hold the whole truth because we're still exploring that mystery. Uh, 
And uh, my, my own feeling is that uh, we are not limited to any one planet or any one life form, and that taking another life form is not punishment. It's simply an expansion of the multidimensional soul. In ancient times, uh, you know, there were a lot of teachings that if you came back as an animal, it meant you'd done something wrong. Uh, and uh, I don't necessarily see it that way. I'm also not convinced that there is a progression. For example, in theosophy, they talk about progressing up from, you know, rock and mineral consciousness up to human. Uh, we may not be in that sort of uh, progression. We may bounce around. Uh, if we are having multiple uh, life experiences in many different dimensions simultaneously, which I do believe we are, they could be all over the place in terms of the forms that they're taking. I have uh, encountered many individuals who have gone into past life recall uh, thinking they might explore a human life and discover that they've connected with something that's a fairy, a tree, a rock, a bird, an animal, or even something not of this world, uh, a being from another world system. So if, uh, if we exist in, uh, in an infinite, uh, among infinite possibilities throughout eternity, it makes absolutely no sense that we would spend all of our lifetimes on a single place in a single life form. Uh, so we can have lots of lives in one place, but I, I think we go beyond that. Right. Or do you think we're selecting these lives that we go through for some sort of lesson? Or I believe that we have a great deal of choice in the matter. And uh, communications, uh, mediumistic communications, if you study the afterlife literature, what the dead have to say about the afterlife, uh, they indicate that um, there is a great deal of choice and that, yes, there are things that we must do, uh, you know, in a compensatory way um, to balance things out um, here and there along the way. So we, uh, we may ha have to do some things, but I think we have a great deal of choice in terms of, of how we're going to go about it. Um, there are indications from the, uh, the past life recall literature of people reincarnating very fast. And uh, usually uh, it's, off, it's after a, an unexpected violent death, and they, uh, they come back very quickly. And uh, some of these individuals and other cultures have amazing recall of their previous lives. They know names, places, dates, what they were doing. They might even have scars on their body. Uh, where they received their death wounds, and uh, whether or not these people just kind of boomeranged back too fast or made the decision to come back fast um, is uh, open to interpretation. So do you think these past lives, so if I was in a past life and I was uh, killed uh, quickly and um, someone drowned me and murdered me, do you think that plays an effect in my new life? It might, and uh, things don't necessarily play out, I think, uh, immediately in a lifetime. It might. It might not play out for uh, several more lifetimes. But, uh, for example, let's say that uh, you drowned in a previous life. You, in, in the present life, you might have a terrible fear of water, unexplained. And uh, it wouldn't make sense to you in, until you went through a regression and you reconnected with the life where you drowned. Uh, many phobias have been successfully treated through past life recall. Uh, there's another whole body of literature uh, concerning the Holocaust victims who 
have reincarnated and they've had uh, vivid memories uh, of uh, World War II uh, and also um, fears and phobias attached to uh, the traumas that were experienced back then that, um, you know, make sense in uh, w- once they make the connection through, uh, through past lives. But um, it, it might also be possible that fear of water might not show up in this life, but maybe in a future life. So, and also, I mean, I guess if you have a fear, like I had a ter- terrible fear of heights and flying and all of that in my early life. But it just disappeared. It's strange because I can't really explain why. It it may be something that just naturally worked itself out. And, uh, of course, we we have to take into consideration things that we're exposed to when we're very young, Um, you know, very early memories that uh, we might not um, be able to recall except under uh, hypnosis or regression, for example, there could be uh, a number of things contributing to phobias and fears. So you've been doing past life um, regressions, right? Um, how how does that how, how does that work? I do them in uh, group settings and also one on one with individuals. And uh, I uh, am a certified hypnotist, and uh, <clears throat> I don't treat anything else. I, I got the certification. Uh, mainly so I could regress people about their experiences, past lives, and also their contact experiences. And uh, it involves putting someone into a very light state of hypnosis. I do not do deep trance work. Some people hypnotize very easily and some people do not. But you get people into uh, a lightly altered uh, state of consciousness uh, where they uh, can follow uh, a... uh, a certain amount of guidance and then you you let them take over with their own experience Uh, you you take them uh, very deep and uh, then ask them oh if they're exploring a particular life to step out and describe their surroundings and then you move them forward through that life meaningful scenes encounters um, whatever it is that they're wishing to connect with people sometimes just want to do a general exploration like um, I think I lived uh, you know, in the 1500s, and so maybe I can connect with that life. That's a general exploration. Uh, some people want to know specifically. Um, I think I was uh, a doctor in the past. I must have been a doctor in many lifetimes. I'd like to find one of those lifetimes, so that's a little more specific. Or they have a relationship they want to explore, people that they feel they've um, been involved with in the past, and so they want to look at those lifetimes or issues. Um, and that could be phobia related. So the uh, then the direction of the regression depends on what the purpose is, and uh, the individual is asked to uh, describe what they are experiencing and seeing, and uh, then uh, there's a processing when when you come out of that, so that they can integrate the material and put it into context that uh, is meaningful to them. So um, who do you suggest would uh, be a good candidate or who what what do you think you'd get out of uh, doing a past life regression most people can uh, can undergo hypnosis and uh, probably would get something out of it even if it's just uh, a matter of curiosity for them Um, and as I mentioned some individuals don't hypnotize very well 
um, and and some people do, and sometimes until you try it, you really don't know. So uh, if you're curious about living before and uh, wanted to explore that, uh, that's a very simple thing to do. And uh, sometimes um, people might feel um, better doing it in a group situation where they've got lots of people around them. The group um, regression is uh, where the group goes back to a particular time period or explores something in particular and then there's lots of group discussion. Uh, that's a very good environment for getting started. And, and you know, when we, um, just a while ago, we were talking with uh, Robert Wagner, who was writing about lucid dreaming. Uh, how do you feel about lucid dreaming? It's an amazing ability that humans have, and I love Robert Wagner's work. He's one of the leading authorities in the field and a very prolific lucid dreamer. Uh, the scientists who study lucid dreaming estimate that it involves creative and healing abilities that are emerging in human beings and that if we could, if more of us could harness uh, the ability to lucid dream, uh, we might uh, have some leaps and bounds in, in uh, the de- development of our uh, consciousness. But this is being aware that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. And... Um, most people are going to have a lucid dream at some point in life, uh, and it's going to be very short because uh, for many people, as soon as they realize that they're awake in a dream, uh, the lucidity ends, and um, they might be able to, uh, one of the first things people do is, uh, I'm in a dream, I can do whatever I want, and so they fly or levitate, and uh, the lucidity ends rather quickly. But other people are very prolific lucid dreamers. They have frequent lucid dreams. Uh, I know individuals who every dream is lucid, and uh, they have prolonged periods of lucidity and and, uh, a very heightened degree of management. They can control uh, dreams and the action in dreams for extended periods. So there are a lot of techniques, uh, again, for... Uh, managing your dreams and uh, for teaching uh, yourself lucidity or at least extending or enhancing the periods of lucidity in dreams. There are even uh, sleep masks you can wear that alert you to stages of sleep that are likely to involve lucid dreaming. And uh, individuals have varying degrees of success with this. Uh, And uh, I think it just all depends on on the individual. But the indications are that uh, lucid dreaming does hold uh, a lot of potential because if, you, if the dreamscape is a legitimate alternate reality, which it is, it's an extension of waking consciousness, and you can do different things in the dream state, then could we magnify our creativity? Could we uh, magnify our ability to heal? Uh, could we manage time? Could we change time? Even our, our um, We live in linear time, which doesn't exist, uh, in these other realities. So uh, could we profoundly change reality by having more lucid dreaming? And uh, uh, how fast it's going to take us collectively to realize some of these things is unknown, but I think some of the most exciting dream research is being done in the field of lucidity. And have you had anything uh, to do with uh, remote viewing? Uh, well, remote viewing uh, can... Uh, can be done in the dream state. It's um, it's 
a modern term that is kind of like clairvoyance. It's not technically the same as clairvoyance, but it's far-seeing. And that's exactly what clairvoyance is. And uh, so could you remote view the future? Well, that's a precognitive dream. You can set an intention to uh, remote view or, or clairvoyantly look at or uh, preview, um, pick your term, uh, an event in the future. And uh, lucid dreamers can uh, do this. They will uh, ask to see the outcome of, of an event or the probable outcome of an, of an event. If I do this, what will be the probable outcome? And uh, ask the, the lucid dreaming mind to preview that. Now, the future really is uh, a probable outcome ba based on present forces in motion. And uh, those probable outcomes change. Uh, according to decisions we make, actions that are taken, the probable futures can change moment to moment. So um, lucidity could be a very valuable tool for previewing uh, possible outcomes of situations. Yeah, I find that really interesting. We uh, we talked with Lyle Buchanan as well, and he did the controlled remote viewing, and he was part of the government agency that was trying to remote view things for the government secretly. And uh, I found that quite interesting uh, to, to to be able to be able to do that. Uh, yes, uh, and Lindy Cannon is is one of the premier remote viewers, uh, and uh, the government did uh, and probably still does. I'm not sure. Have um, people trained in remote viewing for the uh, purposes of surveillance and intelligence gathering? But the average person can use remote viewing just for uh, personal purposes and uh, uh, just think how how much reality would change if uh, if we could uh, manage time or step outside of time manipulate time or uh, change time altogether uh, and uh, what if our reality uh, was a more extended um, reality that blended waking consciousness with dreaming consciousness with uh, psychic visioning. Uh, we would be profoundly different beings. We would probably even have different forms. Um, Where do you see the you know, future going then with, with dreams and, uh, and, and the whole thing, you know, lucidity and everything? Where do you, do, where do you see people going with this? It depends on how we manage ourselves because the collective is only as good as the individual input. So individuals really have to put some work into it. And if we, uh, if more of us individually pay attention to our dreams and to cultivating them in the highest possible way for healing, for creativity, for insight and spiritual growth, that enhances the collective. And uh, I, I do believe uh, in... Uh, well, for example, um, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi said years ago that if enough people, and he had a formula, uh, if enough people in an area would uh, join together and do uh, transcendental meditation simultaneously, it would affect the physical environment. And they ran a, uh, some experiments uh, where large numbers of people uh, meditated uh, which is going into a, a very profound altered state. And there were correlating changes in crime rate, uh, bad weather, 
uh, accidents, you know, some, some things that could be looked at reasonably well statistically. It was not a scientific study by any means. But it does demonstrate that when people join their conscious minds together, profound shifts in reality take place. But these things do not happen if we don't do it, if we don't put the energy into it. And so how fast it's going to happen depends on how fast we keep our act together. Yeah, that's a tough one in the world today. <laughs> well, it is with uh, people being distracted by so much chaos and upheaval and just trying to keep a roof over their heads. Yeah, there's a lot of stress right now. Do you see that getting any better, or is that just something that's going to always go on? We're, the way our history has played out, we've always had chaos. And we've had um, periods of relative peace and enlightenment and periods of great um, world distress. And at the present stage of our consciousness, this is going to continue. Uh, and how and when all that can shift depends on us making some major evolutionary leap in consciousness. Uh, mystics who've uh, pondered this question see it happening very far off in the future. But uh, we have global mind now, thanks to the Internet and uh, cellular technology and high technology computers. So this enables us to make bigger shifts, uh, even uh, exponentially, and uh, that could quicken things up quite a bit. Tell people how they can get a hold of you and, and uh, about your website. My website is visionaryliving.com, and I have a library of articles on there. My newsletter uh, links are posted. I have a free monthly newsletter that comes out uh, every month. You can sign up for it there. And a calendar of my upcoming events. I will be out in the Northwest this summer in July. Uh, I will be presenting at East West Books in Seattle and Vision Quest in Everett. Wow. Beautiful time of year to come out. <laughs> It certainly is. I grew up in Seattle, and uh, I, I love the city, and summer is definitely the best time to be there. It certainly is. Well, I really appreciate you coming by and taking the time to uh, chat with us a while about uh, dreams and angels. Well, you're very welcome, Al. Thank you so much. It's been a very interesting conversation with you. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'll be back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.